0: Hey, guys, we're back with episode nine of VP Precision. Uh, appreciate your uh, patience with us, just working full-time jobs and everything, and we're getting this one out on a Thursday night. And uh, we got got Mr. Jake Vibbert here, and we're going to go through some questions and and uh, just kind of say what we've been doing lately. What, what have you been up to lately, Jake?
1: Same all. I've been working a lot, went to the range a few times, and cool. just excited to be on to, to drop some uh, – some somewhat knowledge bombs. We'll go from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, buddy. What uh, what anything in particular you were working on at the range?
1: I had a couple things in the last match where I really uh, struggled on. There was it was really miragey out there, and so I I on purpose I waited for a a hotter day here at the range. You know, here at my place, and so it was about ninety degrees, and I didn't go out in the morning. Typically, I go out to the range at eight thirty or so. I try to get you know the two or three hours of practice time between eight thirty and eleven, really before it kicks off. Okay. Well, I didn't go out this time until eleven or so, and, and I'm starting my training or practice session uh, during that miragey, uh, you know, time of the yeah, day. Kind of so starting to heat up. It yep. was probably eighty three or eighty four degrees when I got there, and I, I was there till about two thirty or three. By the time I left, it was a full you know, 90 degrees, and you could really focus on the Mirage a little bit. I wanted to do a couple other things. I wanted to tweak and kind of verify what we were talking about last week with the wind direction, seeing the Mirage and where the Mirage is at. And so uh, maybe on another episode, we'll talk about some of those things. We've got a ton of questions based off the Mirage and the wind, seeing where the exact wind direction was. So we just have some really cool findings to talk about there. But with the mirage shooting the mirage it's it's kind of like looking through a water glass at some point especially in some of these really humid or hot places around the country right now uh is a really good example when you're in the julys and the august it's hot and you're you're not seeing the target as clearly as you really like so uh, being able to work through that and and really uh you know, master that is, you know, that's obviously a challenge, but one thing I'm trying to do is just work through that. So it's familiar to my eyes mm-hmm. when I'm looking down range, because I shot this match in Colorado uh, a couple weeks back, or I guess a week back now. Um, one of the things I noticed is I was looking through my scope. I was like, man, it's Mirage out there. I hadn't seen Mirage for months and months because every match we go to has either been, you know, colder in the springtime or just perfect, 70 degree weather i haven't seen a lot of mirage so <laughs> since it was hot yeah. in colorado i was seeing it um, so i just want to get my eyes used to it a little bit okay so
0: were you looking for uh were you seeing trace differently or just trying to see like where the bolt landed lands with with extra mirage or just a combination of everything just just shooting it in general
1: yeah when when i'm shooting a mirage and i'm sure it's the same for you know, for everyone, you don't see nearly as well. You just don't see where the bullets splashing on the target. Don't see, uh, where the bullets going exactly on the berm or the dirt Uh, and trace Mm -hmm. to me, it all, all trace. It just looks like Mirage anyway. Yeah. So when I'm shooting, it looks like Mirage. It's the same as trace. So it's even tougher to pick it up as it's coming up, you know, coming out the barrel. Mm -hmm. And and of course that, you know, that's for me. So I just wanted to practice it. I wanted to really dive into it. So That was my focus was just following the bullet through the air, watching where it hits on steel, watching where my misses are missing and just getting used to it and practicing shooting the mirage. And that was why I went out there at that time of the day, because I knew it'd be the worst possible mirage. (laughs) And I do the same thing if it's, if it's raining out, okay, I'm going to go practice in the rain. I know a lot of people say, well, they're fair weather shooters. But then we go to a match, and it seems like it's raining all the time in the springtime or fall, and now they fall apart at a match. Well, I want to be prepared for what I'm doing. So I take all my gear out of my truck. I put it on the table on the ground. (laughs) It's raining. i got to cover it up. um, And I might not be out there for eight hours like we are at a match, but at least I'm out there for a couple hours, and I'm really starting to figure out, How do I prepare myself for a a challenging match, whether it's a super windy match, which we have a lot of wind out here in eastern Washington. So that's that's fairly easier for me to be able to handle that. But the rain, uh, we don't get a lot of rain out here. So when it is raining, I try to go to the, you know, the rains or when it's cold or when it's snowy. I know a lot of times when it's cold, I get back in my truck and try to warm my hands up, but that's just because I'm a sissy, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it gets cold over there, too. (laughs) It gets real cold over there. So, no, that's all. Those are good tips. You hear guys talking about, you know, some speeds. They're running their their guns at. I'm, you know, running a 6BR at 3,000 feet a second or something, and there's no pressure, I swear. And then you're like, okay, we'll go shoot in a rainy match and see how that shakes out. Exactly. So maybe there's a unicorn barrel out there, but you know, for reference, that's too fast probably to be shooting a BR, so. Yes, um, that's right. And, you know, some weird things happen when you, you know, you travel and you go down south or you get in the rain, the humidity, and everything gets wet, you start locking the bolt up or blowing primers, so, yeah, all mm-hmm. those things are good to good to test, yeah. but, yeah, Mirage is brutal, especially that, I remember that Colorado match the last few years, and it's, uh, when those heat waves come up and it gets, I mean, it gets nineties and it's, it is tough to see some of those, you know, hits or misses or, or anything in, a lot, in, in some circumstances. So that's, that's good to get used to it. So.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so we've been, I've been, practice them a little bit obviously uh shipping targets out with jc steel that's yeah, buddy. Keeping us really busy so we're very blessed and fortunate uh to do that and awesome. i just bought a forklift battery for my forklift because my other battery was dead and nice. that was a spendy purchase <laughs> really
0: i thought it's <laughs> not just a regular deep cycle it's something different
1: no, it's the whole 48-volt, the 2,000-pound oh. battery that goes in the middle of my forklift.
0: Holy smokes. Okay. Anyway. Well, you need to sell some more steel. Everybody, jcsteel.com, <laughs> <laughs> help them pay for a battery. <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. How you been doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, getting ready to go, leaving Sunday uh, to drive up to Bellingham, about six hours from here. And then it's Monday morning early. Ben and I get in the truck and we're driving um, about 12 hours north into British Columbia to get ready for a stone sheep hunt. So I've been.
1: I'm still excited for you. Thanks,
0: buddy. I appreciate that. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So I've been working like crazy trying to get, you know, just landscape work, uh, you know, caught up enough to leave, which is difficult this time of year. And then I've been working on, you know, getting my 6.5 PRC finished up. And return of events took me a little longer than I thought. I thought I had it last weekend, just kind of, uh, you know, pretty dialed in. And then I went to confirm and had some problems and kind of started over with some things. So, um, but yeah, doing 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 good. Uh, mainly just kind of getting ready for that, trying to get everything in order and and to be gone. We potentially, it's kind of an open ended hunt. It's it's it it it's could be up to fourteen days, which um, I love 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 the idea of hunting for 14 days we've done some hunts that long and i absolutely love it and then on the other hand i think of how far behind i get at home and so i think the sweet spot for both of us would be if it went for you know seven to ten days you know okay. ten days would be pushing you're getting a little long for ben especially he's got a, a pretty big company he runs so um maybe you know a week to ten days could go as much as two weeks Uh, you know, backpacking through the mountains and trying to, you know, get two good rams, which, you know, it's big country and they can be few and far between for, you know, kind of the the age class we're looking for. So uh, just kind of getting all my gear, getting, you know, stove, little backpack stove, my water filters and my in-reach for texting my wife and the satellite thing turned on and, you know, getting the food lined out and clothes and just getting boots ready and just all the things. It's been a little bit since I've gone on a big hunt. So it's like when I haven't gone to a match in four or five months, I take way too many stuff, too many things. I think <laughs> I need, you know, a bunch of bags I've never used in my life or a bunch of extra rain gear. I don't know what to bring, and I overpack. It's the same thing for a hunt, like especially a backpack hunt. You you don't want to forget anything, and I'm trying to do some some filming and so I'm trying to like list off all my battery packs and and lenses and trying to get everything, you know, just so just a lot of prep for this hunt is it's a big deal. And um just you know getting ready for that. So I finished up the PRC last night. I guess long story short with that, I was really wanting to do it. It's a uh we shot the 140 hybrids, the 140 ELDs, and the 147 ELDs, the 147s seem to shoot the best. With H1000, which I really wanted to run that powder because I trust it a lot, uh, for you know how clean it is, temperature stability, so on and so forth. I've, it's been a great powder for a long time, but I could not get it to shoot. I thought I finally got it; it's pretty good. Shot at one decent group at 600. I went up to do a pr- another proof group the next day, and it was a ton of vertical, um, you, you know, eight eight inches or more vertical. and I could not figure it out, and so. Um, I'm kind of not a fan of Reloader 26 because I've used it in um, some ELR matches and it'll just be, it's great speeds, low ES, really good groups, hammer time, hammer time, hammer time, and then it just goes way off and it throws some flyers like I've never seen other powders do and then it comes right back in. Um, So I've avoided 26 for a long time. But I was out of options. I tried 4831. I tried Rotumbo. None of them shot great. I couldn't get the speeds. So I switched to 26. The speeds you get at 26 are out of this world. My ES was super low and my groups were tiny. And so I kind of did a ladder, you know, just shot four or five different groups, picked the best one. I was shooting at 340 yards. It was shooting about an inch with this like a little eight-pound gun with carbon, everything. And um was hammering, and you know it's about 2970 feet a second. I ran it way hotter than that. I don't want to say how fast I went, but I never really hit any, merely any pressure. Very, very light pressure at ridiculous speeds, and so I came all the way down to 2970, which is still plenty fast. It's hammering at 600. I figure I'm not shooting a match with it, so I'm not shooting hundreds of rounds. I should be fine in a hunting situation. I'm not too worried about sending a big fly or anything. So. For right now, it's we're going to go Reloader 26, 147s, and it's shooting really good. I've got that uh, brass from Gunworks that's been really good. Uh, I think ADG makes it. I'm not sure, but whatever it is, I bought it from Gunworks. It weighs out the whole hundred pieces. They were all within a grain. It was really impressive. So, cool. um, yeah, so that's what I've been cool. doing. <laughs> that's a long, the long and short of it. So,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. So we'll do... So we have
1: a, yeah. a really cool episode uh, kind of planned for all the listeners today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about some hunting stuff. We're going to talk about some classes that John or I are doing. And then we got some question answers from yep. uh, some of the listeners that they post either on Facebook or Instagram. So if you are a listener and you got some questions, we might not be able to get to all of them, but we would love to maybe tackle a couple of them that we feel would be really good for the podcast, send them our way. Send them on on chat or Messenger, um, Mm -hmm. you know, something, so we can take a look at them and see if we can put them in the show. Uh, But before we do that, we have some awesome, awesome news that uh, Trigger Tech contacted us, and we're doing a Trigger Tech giveaway. Now, here's what's cool about it is we were going to give away one trigger when you tag two friends on Facebook, Or Instagram. Well, Trigger Tech called. They said, uh, John and Jake, we want to give away three triggers. And so we're basically upping that from one to three. Now, here's how you guys can do that. Uh, Same thing, tag two friends. And Mm -hmm. then just for me or, or for us, I guess, can you guys please tag Trigger Tech as well? Um, yeah, that's that our oversight. We should,
0: we should have said that the first time. I, we're we're, du- though, we're, I we're we new to the have. giveaway thing. so
1: <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so uh, props to Trigger Tech. They're big fans of the show. They love kind of what we're doing and get some information out to all the shooters. So, you yeah. know, just thank you so much to those guys. We obviously, um, you know, are, are just going to send those to you guys. So uh, three triggers, tag Trigger Tech tag a couple friends and we're going to give those away on episode 10, which is going to be next week. So you guys have one week uh, to really step up and, and tag these guys. And then just send a little note to trigger tech, say, thanks. Yep. Um, you know, kind of relate that. We've been listening to you guys on VP precision and, and thanks for supporting the, the, you know, the shooting community, whether you're a hunter or a shooter, a precision, a precision rifle shooter, whatever you do, um that's fine. You have an opportunity to win a trigger tech and we're just going to draw those at random. So that'll yeah. be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So if we get, if I get back in a, in a decent time, we'll get 10 out as fast as we can. If I get, if we get stuck in the woods for a few extra days, we might be a little longer than a week, but we'll do uh we'll, I can't, I'm looking forward to giving those away. That's going to be fun. Yeah, so that's right. That's, Absolutely, That's awesome. A trigger tech. So, and then so I, I th- want to get
1: back to some of the hunting round stuff. Yeah, you uh, bet because you're like a, a hunting god in my book. and I really <laughs> I about that. enjoy listening to your hunting stories. I really enjoy your hunting expertise. I'm a very mediocre hunter. I have a lot of really nice gear, but I don't use it very often, and that's probably my fault. I go on a lot of public land hunts, and I do a lot of coyote shooting or uh, yeah. varmint shooting, stuff like that, but that's really where my stuff stops. Well, you on the other hand, go on a lot of exotic hunts and I'm super jelly that you do stuff, but (laughs) you have a lot of knowledge because you've, you've been there, you've done that and you've made a lot of mistakes. You've had a lot of successes. So Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to kind of lean on some of those. So a couple questions I have for you, Uh, you've been telling us about this uh, six, five PRC that you've been building. Um, Tell me about just general, Hunting round comparisons between you know 300, 300 PRC, 6.5 PRC, um, some different things because I believe you're building another gun right now, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'm actually. I've been kind of like I made a post on Facebook and showed some pictures of my of my 6.5 PRC and I said it's been a while since I've messed with hunting guns, so I'm kind of in a in a hunting gun kick. I've got a 300 Norma getting built right now as well. It's going to be on a it's going to be on the, let's see, the Curtis Helix action, which is a long action, the uh, Proof 26-inch Sendero Contour, uh, one in nine twist, I believe. Is that a carbon? Uh, carbon barrel, yep. And I'm still okay. working on stock. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got a, I've got a Manners that I won at your match that's not inleted, but I'm out of time to get inletted from them, so I'm trying to find a guy to inlet. I made a call to a guy the other day I haven't heard back from, so I'm fingers crossed that he can do it, but maybe be sitting in the manners. I'm still undecided. Maybe um I don't know. I kinda I want to try some different stocks. Um the yeah, so anyway, that's undecided. But so building the norma, uh I guess as far as the six five PRC, the reason I chose that is I've been I want to experiment for one and just try more stuff. It's been a very popular round, so I was like, man, I'll build one so I can have some, you know, some personal experience with it. It's, I think it's got very popular because the Hornady factory ammo has been so good. I I, I don't know how many pictures I've seen online yep. of guys grabbing those 147. Um, I think it was 147 grain ammo and maybe the 143. I can't remember. Correct. Un- Both of them. Unbelievable groups just from factory ammo, which. To this point, I would never have considered even ever using factory ammo because I I reload so much and I'm so comfortable with it. And I think it's a legitimate option, very legitimate. I've seen some incredible groups from guys. And so that caught my attention early. I was like, well, man, if it shoots that good with factory, like, you know, probably pretty easy to hand load for, which is a big plus right now. So um, that's kind of why I chose it. I've I've, I've been overgunned for a while. I've hunted a lot with uh, 30 cals and 338s. And this is going to be a you know a, a long a lot of backpacking and some pretty rough country, and my 338 weighs 16 pounds. I've taken it on a bunch of sheep hunts, and when you lay down to shoot, it's amazing. But the other 10 days, you just it, oh, it just is heavy. It's big. 338 rounds are heavy. The gun is heavy. Um, it's it's awesome, but it's heavy. So I want to do something lighter. This the the 65 PRC I built came in around. Probably with the when I put the bipod and and scope caps and magazine and maybe a sling on there it's probably gonna be around nine maybe nine and a half I think bare, it's just just uh mid eights or high eights like somewhere in there so it's gonna be about a nine and a half pound gun all, all ready to roll um which I think you mentioned weight guys i think guys get wrapped up some guys get wrapped up on having they want this gun that you know, we'll knock over a Cape Buffalo that weighs four, <laughs> four ounces and, and, and doesn't kick and all, and all these things. It's like, well, okay. So we all, you know, we all love the idea of a super lightweight gun. Well, the, the Man, the more I shoot guns, the more weight helps a lot. And so yeah. I went down as light as I was comfortable with where I still, uh, still thought I could
1: shoot it very, very well um and does, i think does the weight of the rifle change based off of what you're hunting so for example you're doing a mm-hmm. a sheep hunt but will it you know in your opinion if you had a multiple rifles to pick from mm-hmm. would it change based off of if you're going to go to alaska and, and hunt a bear compared to a sheep compared to an elk what's your you know your thoughts on that
0: yeah my personal opinion and i don't want to get in debates guys the the whole caliber debate is i can kill Anything with a six millimeter or whatever, and you can, and I'm not going to debate that. I like if I'm going to go much bigger than mule deer, I'm going to move over to a 30 cal. I've never been a seven guy. I know they're great, and I'm not going to. That's fine. I just been a 30 cal guy when I moved to elk and bigger. So elk or 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 big deer, um, even I just like the high BC and the extra. You know, margin for error you get with a big, you know, a, a 338 or a 30 cal bull. they're very accurate. But I will go with a heavier gun. So, generally, um, my weight is more determined by the amount of hiking or how difficult it is to get in position. So, like I was talking to a buddy tonight, there's some big blacktail around here we found, and it's an area that we can get to relatively e- easy. Um, so I will, I'm gonna take my heavy gun. I'm gonna bring my, you know, my 16 pound 338. The thing shoots amazing. I can spot my shots with it really well. It's going. It's got a 300 grain bullet going. You know, 30, 50 to 3100, depending on where I load it. That's where I've ran it for years, and it just hammers. And I can, the way it's set up is I can watch my shots. But it's super heavy, so that if it's easy to get to, I'll, I'll take a heavy gun a lot of times. And if it's hard to get to, that's where the light gun comes in. And I haven't had a light gun in a while that I really liked. I had a couple that didn't shoot great, and I just wasn't real happy with them. But uh, this PRC, I, it's kind of a curse. I was talking with my buddy Brian, and we're so used to shooting dashers, and you're shooting the BRX, and we, we get so spoiled with... Um, you know, just throwing powder in a case and getting super low, you know, extreme spreads in your velocity. Generally, everything shoots a half inch or substantially better without hardly any work. It holds vertical at distance. They're very forgiving, easy cartridges, and we're super spoiled with them. And so then I go to a hunting gun that weighs eight pounds, and I'm shooting a 147, you know, (laughs) at 3,000 feet a second. I'm like, okay, now it kicks a little bit. And and it's not bad, but it, it definitely kicks kicks a decent amount, and it it's super light. Um, and now I'm wait, I'm still wanting those one whole groups at 100, and you know a two inch sub two inch at 600. And I'm like okay, trying to adjust expectations, but but I did this gun actually is is hammering. I don't it's shooting really good. I don't want to talk about it and jinx it or anything, but it's 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 something I'd take to a competition. Um, accuracy wise right now so
1: very good shooting
0: very good so yeah uh, weight to me is accessibility so if it's easy to get to sure by all means take a heavy gun if it's hard to get to take a light gun so
1: good good and then we have uh, something that you just mentioned a second ago based off of uh, accuracy what is acceptable accuracy for a hunting rifle there's a lot of people myself included we might have a factory hunting rifle whether it's a Browning or a Tika or a Remington or whatever it is, uh, whether it be, it, it, you know, what's acceptable uh, hunting round accuracy, and is that going to maybe limit some of the distance that we uh, should feel comfortable in shooting?
0: Yeah. It's hard because of the same thing I just said, how we're spoiled with what we're used to. And so yes. when you grab a gun that shoots one-inch groups at 100 it's it's kind of shocking to the system. You're like, what, that's an inch? Yeah, like all the, you know, the guaranteed sub MOA is, that's not, we're, we're, I'm spoiled. And so my expectations are probably off of what some guys are, you know, are happy with. That being said, obviously, I mean, if you're a traditional guy and, you know, a four or 500 yard shot, which is, a I consider a long range shot, you need to be paying attention and dialing up. You're not just going to like, you know, you shouldn't be just you know holding over in a wing and a prayer. It's like make it make some educated decisions. A gun that's shooting an inch at a hundred is probably totally capable of shooting animals at four and five hundred yards. Um, I don't know where that line. I don't want to give numbers where the cutoff is and and make rules, but do some testing. Take that gun and shoot. Get prone, get solid, and shoot your one-inch gun or whatever. You know, it happens to be some factory guns shoot very well. I've had some Tikas that shoot as good as any Customs I've had, and so I've seen, you know, some Savages. I've seen some different different factory guns shoot very, very well. And so it, it's not always a rule, but say you got one that is just shooting one inch, which I would consider, you know, just kind of mediocre. Um, see what it does at 400 yards. See what it does at 500 yards. Uh, Puts a paper up, put a piece of clean steel, and and measure it. And if you're, you know, if you're five inches, groups at five six inches at five six hundred yards, you know, that's fine. But if you've got vertical and you've got you know twelve inches of vertical, then you know maybe bring it in and give yourself some limits on your gun. But yeah, by all means, you can kill a lot of animals. I mean, I can think of how many animals been killed with guns that shoot two inches at hundred yards, tons. Yep. So, so I again, I I'm I have a very biased and very picky i want a super accurate gun obviously but um there's one of my reasons for like really wanting this prc to hammer is i, I probably i don't really want to shoot a sheep at a, a very very long ways i want to be i want a very high odd shot i'd love it to be 600 and in and just a calm shot however there's a lot of wolves in that area and I guess there, you could have an ethics debate, but I will send a shot at a wolf a lot farther than 600 yards. So I want that gun to be, I want to kill a wolf really bad. So, so that was a little bit of my motivation for really getting a hammer. And is, uh, you know, if we see wolves at a thousand, I want to be able to, I want to be able to drop them with this little, little gun. So,
1: yeah.
0: um, so that was part of it. So I don't, I don't know, man, that's a, that's a tough answer, but just shoot your gun. Um, you know, get a good shoot four or five, get that group, if it's a one inch, shoot four or five shots and get that center of that, you know, that cluster pretty zeroed at 100 and uh, shoot some groups at five, six, you know, and see what they do. And and then make your adjustments, you know, from there. I would like to, say say it shot five inches at 500. um, You know, that's, we'll say, generally half the size of some vitals. You say you get 10 inch, you know, roughly 10 inch vital area, depending on what you're hunting. Um, you know you're you're probably good to go i wouldn't if you're going shoot ten inches at five hundred I probably wouldn't take a shot at animal five hundred that's a pretty pretty bad group. i bring it in a little bit yeah. so
1: I agree anyway I agree.
0: yeah, so I think just use common sense but there's there's a lot of factory guns shooting pretty stinking good so
1: mm-hmm. right on anyway, Love it. yeah well, I'm sure you can talk all night on that um, yeah probably a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk about there that's for sure
0: yeah there's i mean there's a there's all kinds of the questions of, well should i do a 300 prc or a 300 win or a uh you know a 280 ackley or a 338 whiz bang or you know there's a million a mil- <laughs> yeah there's a million options just just they're all good uh Just get comfortable with whatever you pick. They all kill animals. Try to be smart about your bullet selection, your bullet placement, your shot. Try to, you know, the most important thing is you can really kill anything with guns you shouldn't be shooting with if you hit in the right spot. So pick a a reasonable caliber and and just go out and shoot. That's the practice side, the wind side, the, you know, knowing your drop side, the stuff that we end up talking about a lot in competition relates a thousand percent to hunting. Um... If your drops are on and your gun's hammering, then you're gonna smoke whatever you're shooting at. So it's not as much of a caliber debate as some guys like to make it. Um just pick a good one and get comfortable with your gun. So again, more common sense. I'm not gonna tell you there's a best a best caliber or best bullet. So anyway. Okay. All right. Love it. You wanna move on to some other some. Yeah, well so talk we about have, talk about classes a little bit.
1: Yeah, so we have a, a question and answer kinda of from here on out. Um yeah. Basically, we we, you know, we get a bunch of inquiries and and questions on a couple different things. One is going to be classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jake and John, will you guys come out and and do a class for us, or can we come to you? Uh, uh, we're pretty fortunate. We've done a lot of classes. Uh, guys are just absolutely loving them, and we'll do a couple different kinds of classes. One might be a long range hunting class, or one might be a, a precision rifle. Um, basics or maybe like an advanced precision rifle, a competition preparation kind of class. So mm-hmm. we're pretty fortunate to be able to um, maybe travel. We've done, you know, some here in Washington, um, I guess a bunch. And then we did some in Utah just this last month where we did uh, uh, a whole bunch of training over there. So we're we're kind of uh, diving into that and guys are loving it. And so I think what they find is they find, a really unique perspective uh by getting two uh you know guys of our uh expertise level uh to be able to provide them uh you know provide them one of a kind training experience so we're mm-hmm. we're going to kind of keep uh, keep doing that we're going to keep rock and rolling on it so hit us up on facebook or messenger if you guys are interested and we'll our, our schedules are absolutely jam packed but we would love yeah. to put something on the works um you know yeah, and, kind and of on, yeah you know, absolutely it,
0: They're kind of planning for next year. I was up in Canada, and the guys were like, oh, you got to come up. And so I know a bunch of guys in Canada, we talked about that. So shout out to you guys again. And we're talking about next year already just because it's, you know, as far as getting up there when the weather's not snowy and hunting season hasn't started, we're running out of time in a hurry. So, But, yeah, absolutely, we'd we'd love to do that. So that's good. Um, Let's let's go through a few questions. We try to do, like Jake said, we get a bunch – really appreciate it. We try to pick out you know some of a lot of them overlap and so like we got some wind questions and and more of that after Jake's uh you know short little discussion last time. Uh but I think we're going to dive maybe into wind in a in a different episode cuz I think it's obviously it's a huge topic. Um but um sorry I got a work call right. while I was talking <laughs> um but the uh there's a, some of these questions. Just kind of pick the ones where you, you kind of hear multiple times. Okay, we are not kill two birds with one stone by answering some of these. And uh, I think I'm going to start with. I got a pretty big compliment from uh, Combat Rock on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I and he's a hundred percent right. He says he says I say yes or yeah way too much, and I totally agree. And I am trying to stop, but I I say I still I'm catching myself on this episode already doing it. So Combat Rock. You are absolutely right, and uh, I'll I'll try to keep working on it. But when Jake's talking and making good points, man, I just I say yeah, uh huh. <laughs> so anyway, I'm working on it. I gotta I gotta <laughs> quit, quit saying it so much. So I, I do appreciate that feedback because that is uh, I know it's something I gotta work on. So anyway, um, the let's see the next one, uh, Sean uh, Sean McVicker on Instagram asked about seating depth. So why don't you talk. Okay. about to give you your answer and I'll run over mine real quick. That's a quick question. I,
1: I have a kind of a philosophy that I typically try to run everything twenty thousand soft of lands and for me it seemed to work really well. There has been a couple bullets where they just didn't shoot very well. And you know, you go back and someone else says, well, you got to run them at 30,000 or 60,000 or 61 and a half thousandths." It's like, <laughs> guys, no, <laughs> if the bullet is going to shoot, it's going to shoot. And you don't, you shouldn't have to worry about thousandths. In my opinion is not going to make a difference. Whether the bullet just hammers lights out or it doesn't, that's not, uh, I guess for whatever reason, I just don't imagine a, a bullet being that picky. And if it is that picky, Something's wrong with, something's wrong with the setup. Something's wrong with the system.
0: Oh, you're stirring uh, the pot right now, buddy.
1: I know. <laughs> it, it's okay. I don't, I don't mind. Yeah. So, so I run for me, it should be. So I'm running the, the Hornady One a tips right now. And I was running the Hornady one Oh eights. I could put those bullets, whether they're 10,000 off, they're touching the lands. They're 20,000 or thousandths. They're gonna shoot in about every single different way, and that could be part of the case design of me running a six millimeter BRX. Um, it's a pretty accurate round and it's very forgiving, but for whatever reason, um, I had some some problems with some other bullets and they just wouldn't shoot. And I talked to some buddies or whoever, and like, well, you gotta run them at fifty five thousandths off. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to try it. It still didn't shoot. Well, did you try him at 57,000s? Wait a minute. <laughs> um, you know, it's just that's, no, yeah. I didn't, and that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. No, I. But that's just my opinion, and I'm sticking to it.
0: I, I tell it. you what, I
1: try to it. find that, that area 20,000s. For me, it's off the lands. I'm not going to jam it into the lands and pull a bullet out of the case. I think that's no, the most important thing right it. there.
0: Okay. At least don't jam your bullet <laughs> in a competition, or really, exactly. really ever. I mean, I know some guys do, it, and the guys, there's guys that know what they're doing. That you know, I know some bench benchrest guys that do that. I'm not going to tell you to change that. Obviously, it's working, but generally, as rules from, don't go hunting or don't go shoot a PRS comp with bolts that are jammed. So.
1: Yep, that's exactly right.
0: My so my theory. Um, I've done a lot the same. I generally start about ten thou off, and I go from there. I try to find uh, my powder charge. So I'll, I'll you know depending on the size of the case, test in two tenths increments. You know, say I've got a thirty one point two, thirty one point four, thirty one point six, etc., and I'll do that. And then at that point, I'll pick my um, my best group from there and then I will do some seating depth tests some guys I know do it and like and some great shooters do it in small like they'll go 10 and 15 and 20 or 10 and 12 and 16 thousandths, and they're you know changing two or three thousandths. like I'm not going to get tied up in that because I think during a match we have you know you have more throat wear than that so I'll do like a I'll do like a 10 a 30 and a 60 somewhere in there and if one of those is better then I'll go maybe 10 on either side of that. And that's by far the extent that I will go. Um, How many
1: rounds are you loading when you're, when you're doing that?
0: Uh, generally, I'm doing three until I, until I see something that looks really good, and then I'll start doing some fives. I uh, like, you know, fives. Um, like, when I, when I think I've got my load, then I'll go load five, and I'll do, you know, I'll do, a, you know, some three-shot groups at 300, 400 yards. But then I'll do, like, a 5 a lot of times I'll do a five-shot group at 600, and then I'll go down and I'll load five more, and I'll come up, and I'll do another five-shot group in the same group at 600. Just, just to, it's more about building my confidence. Okay, the gun's hammering. Okay, let's give it 30 minutes. I'll do it again. Okay, it's still hammering. It wasn't a fluke. And it, to me, I'm just kind of in my mind. I'm just kind of proofing it, like and building that confidence, so I know when I go to shoot, that it's hammering. I think it's more for myself than, than proving the gun a lot of a lot of times especially with the Dasher. Um, good. So I this year one thing I'll mention is for a lot of time I ju- I I've shot 10-20 off. This year almost the entire year I've shot hybrids. I was shooting the the hybrids and some other bullets. I've shot at a lot bigger jumps than I normally y- used to at that 10 or 20 off. I'm jumping 40 to 50 almost this whole year and I just it just felt like it. It just has been shooting really good. The ES has been good. It just seems really consistent. They're um, leaving it, and so I just I haven't really changed it. So and nice, that's nice and that's stuff. the good thing about a dasher is they're easy. But the the PRC I'll say uh, I got a big freebore reamer and I want to mag feed these, so I loaded them to two point nine five zero overall length, not base to O drive, but you know base of the case of so the tip of the bullet, so they fit in my mags, uh, my Curtis those Curtis mags I'm running and uh, I'm jumping 91 thousandths. (laughs) But
1: but they still shoot good, yeah? Yeah, it is
0: what it is, yeah. It just They they shoot good. I had to play with the powder to get it to, you know, I wonder if if when I was running H1000, if I could have got closer to the lands, but I didn't even want to test or know because I wasn't going to run them at that length. So sometimes you have mag restrictions or gun restrictions. A lot of hunting guns, you know, if you're trying to feed a 300 Ultra Mag from bottom metal, uh, depending on your reamer, a lot of times you'll have, a, you'll have restrictions um, of the magazine size where you just load to the max magazine size and say you're still jumping a lot. So it kind of depends on the gun too. So there's... Anyway, that was a long, that was yeah. a long answer to it. Should, it should have been a shorter question. So
1: anyway. no, And I think that's, that's really good. I, well, you know, one of the things that I uh, think about is that there are so many different components for what we're doing. So you yes. have a primer... You got, uh, let's just call it, 20 different kinds of powder. You have 20 different bullets. And you have, obviously, a whole bunch of different kinds of seating depth that you can do. And so what we're you know, getting into is some people literally will burn a barrel out by trying every single little thing.
0: Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, um, my driveway alarm just went off.
1: Oh, someone's gonna break in or
0: what? No, my it's what is it, it's 10 o'clock. My brother <laughs> my brother's coming back for a different truck. His truck's broke down. We've been switching rigs this week with work. It's all fell oh, up. So anyway.
1: So anyway, yeah. there's so many different ways to do it. If you were to try all the different primers, you were to try all the different bullets with each of those primers, you were to try all the different powders with each of those primers and each of the bullets, you're literally gonna be thousands of rounds in and You've accomplished nothing. So, in my opinion, find something that's good and good enough mm-hmm. and go with it. Practice with it, know it. Um, yeah. And ideally, that's going to be exactly what you want. You don't want to get into this, you know, well, did you try the soft primer, or hard primer, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. You know, for the most part, with these cases that we're running in today's world, they're all really accurate anyway. And so you get good quality barrels, you get good quality actions, you get a good gunsmith and all of a sudden it's just going to, it's, it's all going to come together. Everything's going to shoot. You could put 30 grains in, in the case or 31 and a half grains in a case. And guess what? It all shoots. And that's the, that's the beauty of it.
0: Yeah. expect Yeah, exactly on the match side. And I think that's the, you still see guys talking online about which caliber should I get and, Honestly, the, the reason the BR-based, you know, the Dasher, the BRX, the 6BR, the 6BRA is because they do what you just said. You, th- you throw powder in them, and generally you don't have a gun that can shoot bad. It, even if one of those, when guys say that, oh, you know, my gun's not shooting great, worst case scenario, it's, you know, I mean, well, not worst case. You could have something messed up with a barrel or something, but generally, like, they shoot half inch or better, quite a bit, you know, and without doing anything with just throwing powder in a case. And so they're they're just yeah, it's just a forgiving case. So
1: and even a three quarter MOA gun is still a really accurate gun as long as it's consistent and you got good yeah velocity spreads. Man, you can bang away at steel all day long. Dude, with that.
0: how many matches? I wonder. I wish a I lot. knew exactly how many matches that you've won. I know I've won at least more than three where I was at zero day and I was just (laughs) freaking out and I shot it when I got home and it was horrendous. I'm like, how did, but it just, I don't know. You got to do what you got to do. I've shot, I've won some matches with some horrendous shooting guns for one reason or another, taking a gun that's too old or just mixing components lots or just for one reason or another, something happened. I And I used to shoot some different calibers that were a lot more finicky. That was part of it.
1: In all fairness, you freak out at zero day every single match. I've been been doing
0: better. I've been doing better. (laughs) The last, the last, uh, Joe Walls is a is a magician, uh, and he's been spinning my barrels up. And so, my stress level is a lot is very low uh, this year. So it's, uh, props to him. He just he just makes it easy. His stuff. He holds some tight tolerances, and it just keeps. They just shoot pretty good, so I, I, it helps
1: I, the confidence, doesn't
0: it? It does, man. It really does. You you know, and that's what a lot of this game is. We're I, we're off in the weeds here, but man, that confidence, like I said, of shooting those five of six hundred and shooting five again and five again, you know, go one night, shoot one, the next morning, and they just keep stacking, and your confidence level just it helps so much, which is giant in this uh, in this game of, of of the competition side and hunting side. You got to be confident when you lay down. You know, when you lay down at 500 yards or 600 yards on a big old animal, y- you want to be real confident, and that helps a lot with you know just the speed of your shot. You're like, you know, you're going to hit it. You're not questioning like, well, maybe we should move here, or maybe we should do this. When you've got a good opportunity, you know, take it. And that confidence is, I just love accurate guns, and that's why I ring out guns. You know, that's why I've been playing with this PRC so much is because I really wanted to see what the potential it had, and it's, it's, it's doing pretty good. So. The confidence is huge. So Okay,
1: next question. What do you
0: got for me? Um, let's see here. Uh S T V underscore something something um from Instagram. So I can't I didn't write your name down, but that's who you are. We appreciate the question. He asked about um he asked about trace and follow through. Um it was well, let's see, it was Steve B3. Bethel or something. Anyway, he said, next episode I'd love to hear your technique for following trace and follow through. You guys talked a lot about terrain where you can't spot missed wind calls. My range is tall grass and timber with no ability to spot misses. Uh, thanks, Ben. Enjoy the podcast. Um, anyway, some nice comments. Appreciate it, man. So I want I want you to to uh, I think there's a lot of guys with different strengths in the sport. Um, I watching you shoot and hearing you talk about uh, the way that you see Trace, I think you see it uh, maybe, but it's hard to say because I don't know what you're seeing, but I think you see Trace, I see you come kind off a stage and you'll see things that I can see spotting through glass behind you when you're shooting that I don't think I would have been able to pick up while I was on the gun because of maybe a, a weird position or something. So I think you see trace exceptionally well. Um, so I want to hear what you have to say about this question.
1: (laughs) So I love, this is probably my favorite topic when it comes to shooting is follow through. And then with good follow through comes the ability to spot more bullets fly through the air. And and that's kind of what trace is, is watching the bullet fly through the air and picking that. And there's a bunch of different, uh, Reasons that that happens, and we'll go into a couple of them. Uh, but for me, it's all about follow through. And so the first part of following trace is your follow through. What are you doing as soon as that trigger is pulled? As soon as that trigger gets clicked, now what are you doing? And we we focus on this in a lot of our trainings, and we hound this to make each person a better shooter. But real quick, we'll talk about it and. Uh, for me, it's B-T-F. Those three letters are really important in my shooting. And each one has a a much broader meaning and much bigger sense of, of what I'm doing in those three. But it's breathing, trigger control, and follow through. And so really the follow through is a giant piece of my shooting. And I know people that are getting better and better and better at follow through are now able to uh, see what's happening downrange. And it makes Mm -hmm. them a little bit better shooter. So for me, follow through. uh, It's important for me as I pull the trigger to obviously almost freeze. And I want to pin that trigger straight to the rear, straight towards my shoulder. And what I find a lot of people do is I'll just sit back and I'll watch other people shoot. And as soon as they pull the trigger, now their finger comes up and off the trigger. Or they kind of pick their head up a little bit. Or they're doing something. Mm -hmm. And what I feel is that if you can pull the trigger and be absolutely silent, everything is going to just be relaxed and silent. There's no movement on the gun. And so, for example, we can dry fire and see exactly what happens. And so I tell people, okay, I want you to get on this really small target and I want you to dry fire. And as soon as that trigger gets pulled, now I want you to release the trigger and maybe bring your hand off or bring your finger off in some capacity, basically like you're slapping the trigger and now your finger is going back. Well, what do you see in down range on that target? Are you able to keep the reticle in the exact same spot? And so they pull the trigger, they, they take their finger off of it. And guess what that does? That actually moves the rifle system. Um, it moves your reticle when you're sitting there moving your finger back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, that's one thing that we focus on in our trainings is to be, uh, you know, silent. And, and, and that's, that's kind of a word that I'm describing is just being absolutely still and silent behind your rifle and focus on what's happening downrange. That's the first part of that follow through for trace. I love watching trace. I practice it a lot. It's, it's something for me that I do feel is a little bit of a skill. And when I'm shooting really well and I'm seeing stuff really well, you know, I might pick up 90% of my shots going down range or maybe 80% of my shots going down range. I can see really well. I can just watch the bullet fly. Uh, it happens I'm a jealous. lot for me between about <laughs> maybe like eight and, 8 and 2 o'clock is my sweet spot. It's a little bit cooler. The mirage hasn't kicked up. I can typically see a lot of those. For example, in Colorado, I was telling – um, a a buddy, when we were shooting, we had shot five stages and put 50 rounds down range. I saw all 50 rounds fly, whether we're over a barricade or prone or tripod. So it was a really good feeling. I knew I was seeing the bullet. Well, I knew I was focused on what I was doing. And I think I only missed like one of those shots. So maybe the wind got me or something, but I was really focused on pulling a good shot. Um, are, you, trace.
0: are you seeing trace good enough? So say you've got, and I'm asking this selfishly. So you say you've got a, a relatively big target. So you have got 100% ipsic at 800 yards. Are and, you seeing trace good enough to see if it's coming in on the left side of the of that or the right side or or just pretty close or or how it, or does it depend? I mean, how good can you see, like? How good can you see it generally? Do you know
1: if you're on the edge? So that's mainly what I use trace for is left to right. My, my windage, it's really hard to see trace as it goes up to see if you're high or as it goes up to see if you're low. Yeah. So that's why it's important to have good data and trust in it. And you know, you know me, I trust my data almost to a fault sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. It's cost me <laughs> at a couple matches yep. where it's like, no, John, my data is dead nuts. Don't talk to me about my data because it's dead nuts. And yep. it's like, no, Jake, you're shooting under the target like yep. four or five times in a row. And I was like, man, that's why I'm missing. You know? So <laughs> I knew my me, wind calls Tracy, were dead. <laughs> <laughs> for me, yeah, your, your wind calls are great. You're burning down T-posts. Yeah, right exactly. So... On the the left and right, that's really where I want to see trace, assuming that my data is spot on, which usually when you verify it and you got good equipment, it should be pretty darn close on your your elevation. So left and right is going to be key on finding out where you're missing or where you're hitting the target. And so as I'm watching a bullet fly in, maybe I'm starting it on the left-hand side of that target. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna watch that that target and I'm gonna see, you know, as I'm doing that, I'm picking up the trace in my peripheral. I don't ever really want to look uh where the trace is gonna be. And in just a second, I'll talk about where I'm looking, but I want to kind of pick it up in my peripheral vision and I want to follow it all the way to the target and see left and right where that trace is hitting. If it stays on the left side of the target, say I'm holding left edge and it stays over there and the trace just is not coming back to the center of the target. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be able to do a couple things. One, I just saw that the trace did not come back. And two, now it allows my eyes to focus back on the target and see the target move left a little bit better. And so a lot of people, they say, well, where'd that target uh, get hit at? Like, man, I just don't know. I know it was an impact, but I don't know. And so now I can say, okay, uh, if you don't know, but it was an impact, what are you going to do on your next shot? You're probably going to pull it in the exact same spot you just did because you got an impact and you're going forward. But instead, my philosophy is I want to be able to correct a couple inches one way or the other to try to uh, maximize the, the windage on that target. So I hit, I held left edge of a 12-inch of a plate, let's call it, and I hit three inches from the, from the left edge that really what I want to do is I want to move over three inches as well so mm-hmm. I can hit the center of that target, which gives me the most air based off of a wind gust, based off of a bad trigger pull, based off of a lot of different things that can help me maximize that air on that particular target. So as I'm following that bullet in, it allows me to say, okay, uh, you know, and obviously you're doing this in three quarters of a second yeah. or half of a second. So you're
0: shooting. So say you got your 12 inch target, you're, you're laying, say it's prone, you're laying there. Are you, are you focusing like clearly on that target and picking a spot? Or are you just, are you just getting your, okay, my reticles on it and you try to have like your eyes relaxed where they're, you know what I mean? When you said you don't want to yeah. focus on looking for the trace or, or are, are yeah, you, do you feel question. like you're burning a hole in the target? Like you've got a spot picked out and you're just staring at it, or is it more of a relaxed view of the target? No,
1: I'm I'm very relaxed. I don't want to focus my eyes on anything in particular because what happens is um okay, let's go back to trace yep. real quick. Yep. So sorry, uh say say you're shooting at 500 yards, um, and you're at 500 yards. My sweet spot for seeing trace is like between three and seven. I see it really well between those. And then when I start getting too close, I just don't have time to pick it up. And when I start getting too far, it's kind of, uh, I have to just adjust my focus a little bit higher in the reticle. So say for example, 500 yards, my dope is 2.5 mils. I know based off of shooting my rifle a hundred thousand times, I know that it's going to bounce or recoil or whatever you want to call it about seven tenths to a mil. And it's going to kind of go straight up seven tenths to a mil. Um, So let's just call it one mil, for example. And that's what I call my number. So when we're training someone, uh, whether we're working together, John, or whether... I'm working with a student or whether you're working with a student, Hey, what's your number? Mm-hmm. And everyone's got to have a number. You're going to find out every, and, and everyone's number is different. And it doesn't even matter what their number is. It's just a number. Some people might be a half mil that their reticle jumps up. Some people might be three mils that the reticle jumps up. It actually doesn't even matter what that number is. But for me, I'm getting off track, but for me, no, one that's mil, good. um, is what my reticle is going to jump off off of a barricade or a tank trap or whatever, when I'm just shooting off of a bag, one mil. Yep. I know that as my reticle jumps up one mil, the very top of the bullet flight is going to be 1.5 mils above that. The reason is, is because it's a 2.5 mil hold. I see the target. I'm gonna I'm going to shoot right on that target after I've dialed my scope. And my gun's going to come up one mil. So that means the top of the bullet or the top of the trace is going to be, is going to be another 1.5 mil above that target. It's pretty simple math to kind of deduct that. Now, I don't like looking in that 1.5 mil mark, but what I'll do is I'll float my peripheral vision, maybe to the one mil mark or maybe to the half mil mark. And the reason I do that is I float my eyes up just above the reticle And that gives me two opportunities to pick up trace. It gives me an opportunity as the bullet is coming up and crossing that half mil mark. And it also gives me one more opportunity as it's coming down that half mil mark. And then I can try to pick it up. So I actually have two opportunities to see where that bullet's going. It's like, okay, I, I shoot gun comes up one mil. I float my eyes, my peripheral vision about a half mil or one mil up. I actually have two opportunities. Do I pick it on the way up? Oh, okay. I saw it on the way up. Now we're going to follow it all the way. Boom. Impact. Or do I pick it on the way up? No, I didn't see it. Now what what I want to do is I want to see, am I going to follow it coming back down? Do I see anything? Do I see anything? Mm -hmm. And you have to have in your head that half second to three quarter second time they basically like a really quick stopwatch. Okay. At that half second mark, if I don't see anything, I need to focus my eyes back towards the target and see where my bullets hitting. That's good. Um, because if you don't, you're going to be looking up in la la land and you're not <laughs> going to be able to see where you're at. And so that's a really advanced, um, shooting technique. But what you can do is you can start off with a 22 long rifle because the bullet's going so slow and there's not very much recoil, you know your, your gun might jump a tenth or maybe two tenths up. And if you're shooting a target that's uh, 50 yards and you got to dial one mil on your 22, that bullet is going so slow at about a uh, thousand feet a second or 1,100 feet a second that you actually have a little bit longer, to see where that bullet's going. And it's not traveling so fast. So it's kind of like taking baby steps on your trace technique. And that's what I did. I started with 22 long rifle. I shot all day. I went through a full brick, 500 rounds with my 22. And it's (laughs) a, it's just a savage 22. It's a, uh, you know, when I was practicing, that's what I had. I put 10 rounds in, um, my daughter's sitting next to me, so she's shooting on her 22, which she had a voodoo at the time. Uh, Spoil a little girl. She gets everything <laughs> nice. So I'm shooting this Savage. She's shooting she's voodoo, shoot the voodoo. And, uh, and You're so, shooting Remington you know,
0: Thunderbolts. She's shooting Midas <laughs> Plus or whatever.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, she's got Center X, and I'm Sweet. shooting White Box Winchester or something. I don't know. Okay. So, so basically, that was my that was my go-to on trying to figure out where trace is coming from one. What does it look like? I was talking with a, a, a student at our last class and I said, okay, you know, where's that bullet going? Are you seeing the trace?" He's Like I- I've never seen trace in my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what trace looks like. Basically trace trace looks like this. So he got behind a scope, a, um, a spotting scope. He's standing right behind another student and you're shooting and, or someone's shooting and he's watching the bullet fly. He's like, Wow, look at that. Wow, look at that. And so now he knows what Trace looks like. And now he can look for it in his gun. Um yeah, because that's good. he's familiar with how that's looking. So one twenty-two. Uh do a twenty-two day. And it could be any twenty-two you want in a brick and ammo. Get to the point where you have a hard time. Not seeing the trace, you're shooting so much. 22, it's like, Yep, there it is. Shoot again, yep, there it is. Shoot again, yep, there it is. And shoot to targets, shoot over grass, shoot to a berm, uh, shoot up and I, I guess not shoot up in the sky, but shoot over a skyline, something or, or whatever. Yeah, so that you can start to see trace in multiple different ways. It's going to look a lot different in the clear sky compared to through the trees, compared to over a berm, sometimes the target is so big on what we're shooting that the entire trace is actually on that target somewhere. You're shooting 100% IPSC at 400 yards, yep. Uh, you know, and that's like a four-mil target or whatever it is, for example, and you only need a, a mil and a half of of trace to look at. So sometimes the entire trace is on a target, for example, but you still want to see how that target's moving left or right, whatever it's doing based off of the wind. Um, So that's how I started was 22 long rifle, really simple. It was cheap. And I just wanted to see every single bullet. And I got to a point where I was seeing a hundred bullets in a row shooting a a 22. I said, okay, now I'm ready to graduate up. And it was just a graduation thing to try to figure out how do I see trace? What am I doing? What does it look like? And then you get to a point where you go to matches and you see, you know, uh, 150 of your 200 shots. And it's. Um, for me, it feels like it's, a, it's an advantage on the wind calling. And a lot of people, they, they see me shoot and they say, you're seeing something in the wind that I'm not. Well, maybe, but uh, I, I might just be able to see more of my bullets and be able to correct that on the clock as well yeah that's huge
0: i mean you're motivating me right now I, I know that's a weakness in my game so if you guys aren't seeing the trace don't freak out like i don't see it great and you still can shoot well but man there's some times where i'm pretty envious of that that's um i think the biggest you know if if you got 100 percent epic at 400 yards and hopefully you're not missing that on wind so that's not as crucial, but where that shines so much is, you know, small targets and troop lines and hard to see. And I did see a couple in Canada that that saved, absolutely saved me follow-up shots where I did not see where that bullet was landing at all, but I absolutely saw the trace go by just off the left side of the target, about two-tenths. You know, so you make your, you know, whatever that was, about a three three to four-tenths correction over to the, you know, to the center. I'd I'd love to see more of that because I could see how that would really equate to a lot more points. Um, that's uh, the old twenty-two might get a might get a
1: workout. <laughs> a little workout. No, that's little really little good. I've, I've I've
0: it's just it's just I'm not as consistent. I can do it, it. I can do. I don't. I yeah. I just need to. I just need to get more comfortable with it. But one uh, one thing to speak to that. How much. Uh, the calibers, the, 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 the BR based cartridges, how advantageous do you think that is for you seeing trace or as far as recoil goes?
1: Obviously. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question as well. Obviously the heavier rifle, the smaller rifle, um, and the slower that bullet is going, mm-hmm. it's actually a little bit better. So for example, that's a good point. um,
0: I that? said, so that's a good point. Cause you see, I know, you know, just you guys, you run slow and a lot of guys get caught, caught up in speed and guys running whatever, 30, 50, 3,100. And you're always yeah. in that 28 to 2,900, it seems like. And that's where you, that's where you see
1: everything. So my last match, I was uh, shooting the one tens at twenty-seven ninety, Okay, um, just under 2,800. Uh, and I find that some of those guys that are running 30, 50 or 3,100, uh, it, 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 to me, it looks like, or it feels like I have about a 10% advantage over them on seeing my bullets fly. Now they might have a little bit of advantage over me on wind, but how much advantage are they going to have based off of how much advantage am I going to have by seeing my bullets? Exactly. I feel, and, and obviously I feel that I'm, uh, I'm doing it, so I feel that I still have the advantage that way. But I I try to run slow because of that. It also, when you run slower, I can feel it, too. Like, when I run three grains of Varget over, uh, you know, a 110, I might be running 2,700. I, as soon as I pump that up to 31.5 or 31.8, and I shoot side-by-side, side, you know, in comparison to that, now I'm shooting 28.50 all of a sudden, uh, it's like, Oh, there's a little bit more snappy recoil. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I need to figure out how to manage that. Um, so I think that is, that's kind of important in my shooting. That's part of been, that's been part of my shooting philosophy for a long time is I really want to see my bullets fly. I want to focus on that. And so a little bit smaller, slower gun is not necessarily a bad thing for me. Um, you know, you're right. Some people get caught up into, hey, what speed are you running at? Well, um, maybe that's not the right question that we should be asking. Maybe we should be asking um, how many bullets are you seeing fly? I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good that's a really good point. Like, the the weight, the weight of the gun, the caliber, you see you, I hear a lot of guys complain about the weight of guns and it, we generally run pretty heavy guns for comp especially for the, the when we're talking recoil, it's pretty minimal to start with, but um, a lot of guys, I think some guys that don't know, they say, "Well, you got to run a heavy gun because you free recoil." Was like, I don't know if I've ever seen you free recoil. I, I, it, you got to be in a really awkward, weird position to to free recoil. I don't like doing it. I, I hardly, I hardly ever do it. I don't, I don't really remember times when I do it. You, you run a heavy gun, um, so you can you can handle it as far as I mean, build a good position. Don't shoot it free recoil but you run a heavy gun to see, try to see the trace and see where the bullet's going. Like, you've got to yep. see where your shots are going. And I just, in Canada, there were, there were some guys where they just buried five shots in a row off the right edge of the plate. And it's yep. like, you've got, and it was a little bit of an awkward position, but not, not bad. I mean, it was a kind of a modified prone off of a barrel. So you can get plenty stable to see your bullet land at 700 yards. And... And, and that's the difference is if you don't see where your bullet goes, then you're in trouble because you can miss that first shot. We say this all the time. If you miss one and you hit the next nine, you're going to win every single match.
1: That's right. Um, yeah,
0: 90%. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's uh, that's a side topic on weight and caliber as far as as far as seeing that. But I don't know. That's a, that's and one a, thing I yeah. noticed
1: is that there's different, different regions in the country. They do things a little bit differently. And mm-hmm. when we travel – Around the country, we might go to, uh, let's just uh, pick on the southeast for a moment. We go and we, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we talk with some of those guys and they don't really ever have to see where their bullet goes because there might not be enough wind there or they're shooting in tunnels. Even Western Washington, uh, a little place called Upper Nisqually,
0: yeah. they
1: have a 600-yard range there and I talk to a lot of shooters that shoot over there well, they're, they're in a big uh, tree Valley. So they got trees on both sides of this thing and there's no wind that gets through there. So some days these guys get there and they say, well, did you hold any wind today? Well, no, we didn't. We held straight up on every single shot. And so in that particular situation uh, you know, trace really doesn't matter. You don't have to focus on anything. As long as you pull the trigger and the scope or reticle is, on that piece of steel somewhere, then guess what? You're going to, you're going to most likely hit that target unless there's a flyer or something. Well, you certainly can't do that in the West. You can't do that, you know, in the, in the Midwest, you can't do that in Texas. You can't do that in a lot of places all over the country because you're going to miss a target. Um, There's been matches where we have never, not one shot, have we held on a piece of steel? It's just too windy. It's just too much.
0: Absolutely.
1: There's just just too much going on. So you have to be able to see where that bullet's going. And so it's a little bit different. Different regions do things a little bit differently. We're pretty fortunate that we travel all over the country, um, you know, to be able to shoot. But I tell you what, some of the the people that are used to things like that, they come to a very windy or a, a, a little bit more challenging match all of a sudden it's uh you know the wheels are falling off because they are not used to <laughs> figuring out where their stuff's going
0: yeah you can you you definitely see that with with guys that are not comfortable i get a lot of guys that come out um you know that come out west and and sometimes we come out and you have a cold match and 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 they're like well i came out here for wind and it didn't blow and that happens sometimes <laughs> but uh but yeah generally you come out and a lot those guys love it too like man that was you know that was fun we got to you know they feel like they learn a lot Uh, the same way when when i go there you learn a lot you know it's 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 generally faster part times stage times and we've been running out west um more movement a lot of positional lanes just a different feel so it's fun to go uh you know travel around and get different feels oklahoma's prone and troop lines generally and you've got positional a lot more positional faster times in the southeast so everyone's got a different flair and that's what makes it fun about traveling so that's right um Anyway, you want to? Anything else on trace follow through that you want to touch on? I think
1: I, I, I love good. that topic so much. I could continue to talk about follow <laughs> through a lot. I could continue to talk about all that, but I know we're kind of yeah I running think, along on it. But I, I
0: think you hit that pretty good. So um, we're at about an hour ten. We could. You want to hit you want to try to go through mental prep Uh, real fast uh, let's do,
1: uh, let's do, let's do Dan's on the next episode. I think that'd be a good uh, segue to some other stuff we got going on. Okay.
0: We'll do Dan chat was asking about mental prep for stages and stuff. And we had some stuff we're going to go over, but I agree we're getting a little long. Um, so we'll, we'll hit that next time. Thanks for the questions, guys. Um, you want to touch on, let's see here. You want to just recap the trigger tech thing real quick for everybody.
1: So, uh, Mark from trigger tech, uh, he's kind of a manager there or whatever he does He's just Mm. a super dude Mm -hmm. and he loves supporting the shooters supporting the shooting sports uh and one thing about a company like that that we've kind of you know grown to appreciate is that you know these guys they're they're obviously they're selling a lot of product they're moving a lot of product but man they give away a ton of stuff Mm -hmm. and you know you start looking at a company like You know, I'm just going to say, for example, XLR Industries, Mm -hmm. you know, you start giving away a hundred chassis a year. It's like, wow, that's absolutely giant. Um, So Trigger Tech, they wanted to kind of step up their game a little bit. Kudos to them, props to them. Uh, You know, you guys are are, are in for a treat. It's going to be three triggers we're giving away. And these are the uh, diamond triggers. So it's their top tier trigger. Mm. Um, the, one, the ones we use in friends. comps so that's right exactly that's right tag two friends and please just share and thank and tag uh, trigger tech as well and just send them a little shout out and a thank you uh, tell them that you heard about the podcast and and really appreciate them stepping up to do that Um, you know we're, we're really excited we have some other some other people that are interested in in doing some giveaways so and if, if you are one of those people or you have a a company, or you'd like to do something like that, you know, you know, we'd love to talk and, and partner up, figure out what, um, you know, what makes sense as far as a podcast, but yeah, trigger tech, get on Facebook or get on Instagram or both and tag a couple of friends, um, throw, yeah, throw under the trigger v- Tech name out there yeah,
0: under the VP precision name and do it under, uh, once we get this one up, do it under the episode nine thing, uh, Perfect. the nine episode nine post and, and then we'll sort out. Um, I just, we'll, Jake and I will we'll pull names, and we'll probably—I'm not sure how we'll do this—but we'll address, we'll assign um, names to numbers, and maybe do a run, random number generator or something. Exactly. Yep. And then we'll we'll uh, we'll let you guys know and, and get those out to you. And just if you're if you're wondering that the the diamond, I should have this pulled up right now. But the diamond goes down to what does it go down to? Four ounces. Four ounces. Yep, for so it's the lighter weight, um, it's their highest end bolt action trigger. So, for hunters out there, if you're comfortable with a little higher pull weight, I believe the Trigger Tech Special goes down to a pound and a half. Is that right? Correct. So, the Special is a little cheaper, both super, super good triggers. Um, uh, check those out. Just you know, props to those guys, I love their stuff. Have nothing but, but great luck with those diamonds. So, um Anyway, uh, I guess, yeah. let's wrap it up. We're getting a little long. So uh, I'm taking off on the hunt. You're going to... Good luck, to, buddy. Good luck. Uh, we'll appre- I appreciate it. You're going up to... you got a match next weekend, right? Up in Idaho?
1: I'm going to do the Idaho... Uh, it's at Parma, the Royal Rumble or Rumble something. Uh, Brady Lamb and Jay Heimer putting it on down there in Boise, Idaho. I'm really excited about it. I've shot a match there before. I just like the facility. They, they have some cool stuff planned. That's a PRS match. We're really excited about that. We'll see awesome. what we can do.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, good luck there. I look forward to hearing how it goes. And I'll probably, I, I need to do, so my hunting buddy, Ben, who's making all this stuff happen on the hunting side for me, which is a whole other story in itself. But I need to do, probably do some recording with him. So we might, we might squeeze some some talks well Ben and I are on the road for 12 hours and maybe throw something out there for you guys a little bit kind of out of the norm, but yeah do it
1: do a podcast with Ben that'd be sweet we'll see we'll figure that out so anyway
0: um, until next time guys we appreciate it we love your feedback your comments uh, Combat Rock thanks for the criticism I'm working on it after I made that comment earlier I caught myself saying yeah like a bunch more times today <laughs> so anyway I don't. we'll see how it shakes out I'll keep working on it so uh, love you guys comments uh, questions can't wait to give you had some triggers too, so we really appreciate the feedback, and uh, it's been fun. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep cranking them out. So until next time, uh, have a good time, and we'll talk to you later. Doodles.